hide it. Amen. We are thankful for the blessings of God. And I know some folks are going through some trials. I know that there are hard times that are represented here in some of these smiling faces. And we're praying for you, praying that God would help you through everything that you're going through. And God is going to just like these testimonies said, just show himself so real to you when you get through it. I'm not saying you're just going to say, wow, I'm so glad I went through it. But you're going to be glad for what God does in spite of it, sometimes because of it. That adversity, that friction sometimes will sharpen you up. Amen. And uh, we're not excited about that so much. But when it's all done, God just shows himself to be good one more time. So everybody has Psalm 144. Say amen. All right. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your presence here today. Thank you, Lord, for, Lord, your love and your kindness, your mercy to us, God. Thank you, Lord, for what we already feel in this house. We ask you to just talk to our hearts Give us ears to hear, Lord. Give us, Lord, direction. God, help us just to be teachable, to be led by you. Talk to every one of us, God, for your will to be done. We love you so very much, God. We ask you to just bring your anointing, God. I know without you, I can do nothing. We can do nothing, God. Just bind us all together with you, Lord, and we'll give you the praise alone. You are only worthy, God. We praise you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Psalm 144 verse 1 says, blessed. Somebody say blessed. Blessed be the Lord, my strength, which teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight. My goodness and my fortress, my high tower, my deliverer, my shield, and he in whom I trust who subdueth my people under me. Lord, what is man that thou takest knowledge of him or the son of man that thou makest account of him? When you recognize just how awesome God is, praise God. When you really get an idea of just the majesty of almighty God, you think, who am I? But drop down to verse 15, if you will, and maybe in your spare time, you can just go ahead and read through that great Psalm. But dropping down to verse 15 says, happy is the people that people that is in such a case. Yea, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. Hallelujah. If you're happy, say amen. God bless you. You can be seated. And if you didn't say amen, praise God. I hope you get some help today through what God is going to do. Amen. God's desire is for his people to be a happy people. That doesn't mean maybe what a lot of folks think it means. That doesn't mean we're happy with every circumstance and situation. Amen. But there is a contentment. There is a a joy that resides, that dwells in God's people. The thing I have to tell you is it's not so much a secret. It's not uh, some uh, magic formula, if you will. But if you really start to get to know Jesus on a personal level. When you really begin to understand the, what it means to, to walk with him and have a relationship with him, praise God, something happens that in spite, like these testimonies said this morning, in spite of the trials that some could even be easily called tragic, but you know what? You've got a stability. You've got a foundation under you. You've got a purpose in your life that carries you through with a strength, amen, and a hope that can't be taken away. Sadly, there's a lot of folks going to church and and uh, calling themselves Christians who cannot say that in honesty that they are happy. It is uh, something that I, I pray very, very fervently about, very regularly about that that it is very possible to 
make yourself a faithful churchgoer, to be able to kind of slip in and, and fit in and do everything that you can to try to uh, maybe uh, uh, be a part of the, the church-going crowd, but still miss the key to what really brings that happiness, that really begins to break the chains of, uh, of, of discontent and, and uh, things that are pulling you down, things that are holding you down. And, and uh, we, we, we are not... It's not our desire. It's not our goal to, to fill a house with, with people that on the outside seem like they're doing really good, but inside they're hurting, they're struggling, they're, they're, uh, they're, they're not happy at all. Amen. And usually sometimes there's, there's a uh, kind of a breaking point, if you will. There's times where, where this life can really become very difficult and, and uh, just... Sadly, how many people I've even just not so so long ago had somebody say, I, I know I, I know God is so good, but I, I and God is, is is awesome and all that. I hear what you're saying, but I need more than that. And I thought, what a statement more than the almighty, more than the one who created you. Maybe maybe there's something that you're missing. Maybe there's something there that that you're seeing, sadly, that a lot of people think they are, are are everything they ought to be because they're following what has been presented to them as traditions and as Christianity and as what it means to be a Christian, but have never really dug in to the Word of God and found out how great He really is and what He can do for us. They've heard the traditions. They've heard, they've seen the, maybe the denominational kind of, uh, 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 routines, if you will. And they, they've learned how to fit into that, but they've never really gotten to know who Jesus is. They think they do. It's interesting in second, uh, Corinthians, the 11th chapter, Paul talks to the church, obviously through the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And he says, uh, in Second Corinthians eleven four, for if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, that's something you ought to ought to catch your attention. It's not so much a, a Jesus who you think in your mind what he is like and and how he is, but but uh, you get to know who he is, the real thing. Amen. That's the exciting thing about living for God. It's it, it's not contingent on the preacher and the and the people around you, but you get to know Him. Amen. When you start learning about Him and you start finding out about Him, and sadly, there's a lot of people that think they know a lot about Jesus and they think they know all uh, a lot about what He likes, and and uh, you know a lot of folks think well He just likes everything. Praise God, and and he he's uh, he goes with anything I like, and and um, praise God. You, you, it's time to start looking into His Word. Yeah. Time to start learning. Time to start learning about who He is. I think we talked about it recently about relationships and and in the family and the home, and and uh, we've been married for for well over thirty years now, and uh, still getting to know each other, still learning about each other. Hello? Amen. You say, what's taking you so long, man? Some of you are looking at me. I, I want to tell you something. If you don't, if you don't engage in the understanding that, hey, I don't know everything. And this, that, and, and the thing with God is he, he, his 
personality, if you will, his, his nature is, I tell people it's like the ocean. You start, you know, you don't want to sip at the ocean. I understand that. But if you start just taking a cup at a time out of the ocean, you're not going to put a dent in that. And that's the depths of, of how awesome God is. But, but to know him, it's going to take some time in his word. It's going to take some time in his presence. It's going to take some time in getting to know. And the more you know him, the more you will love him. And the more you love him, the more he will affect you in a way that will take your life from sometimes a very broken, shattered mess or whatever you've come from and start putting it together in a way that you'll find yourself happy. He said, if you pre- anyone comes and preaches another Jesus whom you have not, we have not preached or received another spirit which you have not received or another gospel which you have not accepted, you might bear with him. And he goes on and tells them, you need to, to check this out. You need to get back to the word. Law, there's no, no shortage of preachers, no shortage of churches. But you have the ability to look into the word of God for yourself and to have a personal, amen, a personal walk with him, that you know him and that you know what he's like. There's going to be a lot of times. This is the amazing thing about this enrolling in this discipleship, enrolling in this process of learning and, and growing closer to God, that there's going to be times where you feel like, oh, I, I know exactly what he likes and I know exactly how he is. And then you're reading the word of God and say, wait a minute, is that in there? Is this, is this right? Am I reading my Bible? Is that? And you learn something. And you learn a little bit more and you, you, you go a little bit deeper and you find out, wow, this is, this is amazing. And you, the more you go, the more you're going to find out, hey, wait a minute, I love him more today than I used to. When you recognize how awesome he is and how he will affect your life and bring you to a place, praise God, of fellowship with him, it's so good. Again, let's turn to Romans, the 12th chapter, Romans 12. I want to, I want to talk about some things that, that are going to be evident in your life if you're really walking with him. If you really want to get to know him, praise God. There's some things that, that are going to start to happen in your life. Number one, Romans 12 verse 9 says, Let love be without dissimulation. Loving people, not uh, you know, like God loves people. Not just uh, a cliquish, kind of clannish kind of love, but just loving people without hypocrisy, without favoritism. But it goes on and says, abhor. Now, that's a strong word. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Psalm thirty-four, twelve says, what man is he that desireth life and loveth many days that may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil, thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Something that I think is missing in a lot of folks that are saying, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm walking with God and it's better today than it's ever been. When you walk with him and he's going to be your friend, he's going to be your father. There's going to, you're going to recognize what has separated you from his love and from that fellowship for so long was sin. You're going to find out when you spend time with him, that there are some things that, that, that he doesn't like so much, let's say. Why does God hate sin? Why does God uh, 
have this, such such a, a, an opinion of sin that he would tell us to abhor it because he knows that it's going to damage not only you but your relationship with him. Yeah. Bible says sin separates us from him. It's been sanitized out of what uh, is being preached in a lot of pulpits, but still you will recognize, hey, this hurts my relationship with God. It's like saying, well, this is, uh, you know, you might not say it's, it's a selfish relationship, but it'd be very easy for me to say, oh, I love my wife so much and I'll just sing her praises all day long and tell you how awesome she is. And then on the way home, well, you know, it's kind of tough. I live next door. So on the way, uh, on the way out, maybe to, to somewhere we're going and I, and I always play music she hates. And then where are we going to eat? Somewhere I love. I, I don't eat that. I don't like that. That's all right. I love you dearly. After a while, you're going to realize if it's all about you and, and, uh, and you begin to indulge in everything that that person you say you love hates so much, it will affect your relationship. But so much greater level here because God, it's not just his preference so much. It's not just, well, I don't like that because it's just not, not my taste so much, but he knows what's best for us. When God hates something, when God tells us to abhor it, to depart from it, it's because it's going to damage us. He hasn't put in his word these these corrections and these warnings, rather, just uh, on a whim. But he's a good father and a good friend. And and a good friend is not going to enable us to, to go on in a way that's going to damage us. Or especially if they love us so much, they want to preserve that relationship. And you're going to start feeling that. You're going to feel that, you know, we call it conviction. The Bible talks about a pricking in the heart. Where you're going to say, you know what, I, I, I don't, I, I want to do better than that. I, I know God doesn't love that kind of language. I know God doesn't love that kind of attitude. I know God doesn't love that kind of habit. And you're going to be, start to be sensitive. I know a lot of folks that say, well, you know. Sometimes it just seems like you get caught up on little things. You do that when you're in love. All right. Amen. There's special little things that matter all right. when you're in love. Yeah, right. When you love Jesus with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, that's uh, everything. Yeah. So you're going to walk in this way. I'm not talking about condemning others and pointing to them and saying, hey, I, I feel like God's leading me here and, and I'm going to make everybody else feel bad about it if they're not seeing it. But I'm, I'm going to... Be sensitive to that. And I'll make my choices. It's not about, I've, I've heard people say, I'll see it. That kind of legalism. No, I'm talking about love. I'm talking about being sensitive to the heart of God. Saying if you don't, if you're not pleased with that, God, there must be a reason for it. If you're not comfortable with that, God, help me not to be comfortable with that. The Bible talks about a sanctifying process. Talks about a, you know, a lot of folks, uh, they're, they're familiar with justification, but there, there's a process that you enter into called sanctification where God starts taking out the bad and replacing it with what He intended. Yeah. Replacing it for, for what is fulfilling and what's satisfying and what's a blessing. It's, it's a road to being happy. Because all those things that, that you held on to, all those, Things that were damaging you and your relationship with others and your relationship with God. God's God's going to start teaching you. You're going to start hating what he hates. You're going to start loving what he loves. 
He's going to he, he's going to make you to to see the 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 it with clarity as you get to know him. You're going to see with clarity why some things are are are, are not healthy for you, not healthy for your relationship with the Lord. It, it's a, it's sad in this in this day that we live in that so much. You know, the Bible says it. We, we've read it so many times how in this last day, the perilous times are going to come. There's dangerous times, dangerous times for the church. And it says men will be lovers of their, their own selves. That, that, that self-love, that, that self-exalting rather than saying, God, you know what's best. When Jesus came, we quoted it earlier, and he said, nevertheless, not my will but thine be done. When we can come and say, God, I, 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 I want to follow you. I want to, you're, you're going to start hating sin in your life. You're going to start noticing. You're going to, it's going to be that, that check in your spirit. Say, you know what, God? Help me do better. Take that from me. There's going to be this ability, you know, uh, can we just, uh, Compare it to a, a friendship, a relationship, even a marriage, if you will, that, that uh, you know, I, I don't want to go somewhere if my wife's not there and, and have you not feel like, hey, she must be the most awesome thing in the world. Right. Hello. Right. I don't want to ever be caught just, just uh, maybe, ha- it wouldn't be loving to me. It wouldn't be supporting and, and, and the unity of a family that if somewhere I was going to go and, and, and trash talk her and make her look... Anything but awesome. And I don't have to stretch the truth one bit about that, thank God. But I recognize not only, God, I want to be uncomfortable around things that that you don't like. He said, abhor that which is evil. Lord, I, I also recognize that if I just go ahead and make some allowances in my life, that that it kind of reflects on God. We are ambassadors, the Bible says. So I want to, the Bible says, adorn the doctrine. Make it look pretty. Make God look good. You say, I don't know, how can I make God look good? Well, Christians have done a really great job of making him look undesirable. So we have a responsibility. If you really love him and it's about him, start living. And you're going to be sensitive to that. Not only to my relationship, but how I represent him how how my life to abhor that which is evil is to show people how how awesome he works in a life how awesome he changes a life that's the best testimony that you can possibly have in all the 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 things that i've heard people say in books that have been written and pamphlets of how to be a good uh witness to people and how to win souls in 10 easy steps i don't have a lot of time for that but if you get out there and just tell them how great he has been to you if you can just bear good the bible says herein is the father glorified that you bear much fruit so really, if we can focus on just living a life that that's supernatural for you and me, that if you knew me before God got a hold of me and how great it is to be living for him, bear that fruit. Let them see that love, joy, peace, patience, and, and all the, the fruit of the spirit. Let them see the character and nature of Jesus living in you and how awesome he is. So when you start to get to know him, sin is is going to be a problem more and more. It's going to be a process in your life, 
But you're going to start seeing, you know, God, you're so great and so powerful and you break all these chains. You probably could do that for me, too. So if you want to be happy. It's all about Jesus, right? It's all about loving him and walking with him. But there's things that, that uh, you know what, it'd be better to leave out of that relationship the closer you get to him. You say, oh, he's full of grace and mercy. Yeah, but be not deceived. God's not mocked. It doesn't mean you can just go ahead and say, God, you love me no matter what he does. But he'll start this sanctifying process in you, and you'll start growing and learning why sin was never a good idea to begin with. Hallelujah. Number two. Praise God. Turn to Psalm 144. We were just there. I want to go back to that verse we kind of stopped and mentioned. Psalm 144, verse 3. It says, Lord, what is man that thou takest knowledge of him? Or the son of man that thou makest account of him? There is, when you begin to just draw near to Jesus, when you begin to walk with him, there's going to be this sensitivity, this, this learning to hate sin like he hates sin. He's a holy God. He's a holy God. He's a, he's a pure God. And thank God for mercy and thank God for his grace. But you will be a recipient of that mercy and grace and begin this process of, let me say again, recognizing how sin was, was a problem. You will also to walk with God and to love him. I say it so often, he's going to treat you like the center of the universe. But when you start believing you are the center of the universe, that's going to be a problem. He's going to treat you so good and he's going to love you and there's mercy and there's patience and there's blessings that will overtake you, the Bible says. But if you aren't drawing close to him and realizing that he is awesome and you need him. I do not subscribe to this idea that we should walk around. It's not glorifying God to walk around and believe that we're all just a piece of garbage. God's called you and loves you and you're valuable to him. But there's a balance to that as well that we see that is really being just exploited in so many churches where we are almost being taught that that it is all about us. And when you get close to God, you're going to realize you're going to learn to be humble. You can learn that pride was a problem, too, in your life. Pride is kind of sneaky. It it kind of lurks in the shadows of uh, of Christianity sometimes that uh, as we grow in God, we start seeing a light start shining in the corners and we start learning, God, I need you. I think that we need to recognize humility doesn't mean we grovel, doesn't mean we have this such a self-image of uh, of that loathes ourselves. No, that's that's a that's from the past life. God will pick us up and, and, and help you recognize that you're, the, you're beloved, you're accepted in the beloved, the Bible says. That God cares about you and that you're valuable to him. And when you're loved by Almighty God, but recognize this, we have so much to learn. We have so much to learn. We have so much growing to do. A child that is growing is, is beautiful and special. Praise God. 
It's not what it's going to be, but you don't spend one moment thinking a thought of disappointment because there it is, just so young and inexperienced and immature. But every day it grows and every day it learns. And even the days where, where, where the process seems taking a little longer than what you expected it to, you're just excited about what's happening in that life that's heading one small step at a time in the right direction. We need to humble ourselves, Jesus said. If we want to be great in the kingdom of God, we humble ourselves like children. What we do is we recognize, God, I am just a child. Solomon's prayer the beginning of his reign, Solomon was was told that uh, came, God came to him in a dream and and said, "What can I do for you, Solomon? I'm gonna uh, I want to answer a prayer for you." And he said, "I I just want some wisdom. I'm just a child. I don't I need somebody to hold my hand. I need somebody to teach me. This is this is such a responsibility that you've placed in front of me and I need to learn. I need to I need you to guide me. I don't know how to just do the simplest task to go out to come in. I need I need you to help me. And the Lord was so pleased with that. The Lord said, you could have asked for a long life. You could ask for riches. You could ask for victory over your enemies. But you chose wisdom. I'm going to give you that and everything else that you didn't ask for. Because what a great what a great prayer request. To come to God and say, keep teaching me, God. Keep leading me. Help me not to think of myself more highly than I ought. So many people come to God so filled up. We talked about traditions. We talked about maybe uh, what Christianity has been um, just presented to them. And, and, and they know we know what we like, what we're comfortable around, what, what we think worship ought to be, what we think prayer ought to be, what we think salvation ought to be. And we've heard it so often. But when you come to God, you say, just teach me. Just teach me. I find myself so regularly just thinking about the very simple things, the basic things of living for God. And, uh, and I say, God, just teach me to love you today. Teach me to love people today. Teach me how to just walk with you today. I, I, I don't want to take this day and act like I just, I know it all. I, I know there's depths. I know there's, there's nuances here that I could, I could do so much better. And God just, I, I know you love me. I know you're there. Just teach me. We get so caught up in, in, in what we want, what we like, what we, what, what, uh, what our will is. When we can say, God, I, I don't like the maybe the, the, the lesson today. I'd rather do something else. I don't like the, the meal today. I'd rather have ice cream. I don't like, uh, I, I'm not, this isn't my, uh, my preference of how you're doing things. But God, I think you know what's best and keep teaching me. Keep leading me. It's not, uh, it's never, never, never a good idea to come to God. Like you know it all. Right. Now don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. We've got, we've got good questions. God's got good answers. I'm not talking about just, just uh, being a pushover, but be teachable. Be able to be taught the truth. Be able to be, be, able to be led in God's truth. Be able to, to hear God leading you farther on. Don't let anything be in your life that you can say, God, just keep your hands off of that. This is mine. You can have everything else, but don't touch that. That becomes a center of attention now. 
Because you just told Almighty God you're Lord of everything but. And if he's not Lord of all, he's really not Lord at all. So to be humble, to, to come into the presence, when you start loving him and, and you start receiving that love from him, you'll start feeling like, God, how, why would you love me so much? I don't deserve a bit of this. I really don't. I haven't earned a bit of it. God, thank you for mercy. Thank you for grace. Thank you for, for such a, a love that passes knowledge. Who am I that you would love me so much? Who am I? That you would take such good care of me. Don't let, let me take it for granted. All right, all right. Keep leading me. Yeah. Keep teaching me. Pride is never going to bring happiness. Right. The selfish, self-centeredness, my will alone. I, I, God, I, I, I'm, God knows how to bless his people. And when you can surrender to that and say, God... You know, I, I thought I knew what was best for me. I thought I knew what was right for me. God, help me never, right. never to, to keep you outside of the equation. Yes, amen. Help me to let you, let you look at every part of my life. Right. Let, look at e- every part of my life, and, right. and I want your will, not mine, to be done. Yes. Colossians, the second chapter. You want to be happy? You need to be humble. Selfishness, pride, it's going to rob you. Building yourself up, it's going to rob you of true happiness. When you start to get to know Jesus, pride's going to start to fall by the wayside. Colossians 2, verse 8, another great chapter, so much that we uh, don't have time to to get to. But Colossians 2 verse 8 says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, kind of what we've been talking about. Be careful after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. It's all in him. And it says, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality. This is my third and final point. Praise God. That when you start spending time with Jesus, when you start walking with him and really developing a a good relationship with him, not another Jesus, not something that you've created in your image, as we've said a few times here recently, but really getting to know him, getting into his word, getting into prayer, letting that word talk to you and not just the traditions of men that Colossians is talking about. This way that you think is always has been right, but the word of God needs to be able to come back and check that. He's going to make you holy. He's going to help you to be humble. But he's going to bring healing. He's going to bring healing. Listen to me. This is something as a pastor that I've dealt with people for so long that have kind of come so far. And uh, but when you get really start walking with the Lord, he's going to start putting you back together. This idea of being complete in him. We we. You know, I thought about Paul here as I was looking at these verses, and it doesn't mean that we become some kind of uh, super strong individual. We still have to lean on God. Paul said he had a thorn in the flesh. Paul said he had a battle with the enemy. 
that he was saying, God, can you just take this away? And sometimes you feel like, you know what, if it's problems, if it's trouble, if it's uncomfortable, I'm going to pray and boom, God's going to take away. And that's just what prayer does. But listen to me, miracles happen and God knows how to do some amazing things. But sometimes we go through some things that are less than comfortable for sure. And he's got a plan in that. He's got some purpose in that. And Paul himself was saying, God, I I need you to get this out of my life. This is just, uh, it's awful. And he said three times he prayed about this. God said, my grace is sufficient for you. And Paul recognized in this battle that he was fighting that though he seemed to, to have so much spirituality and so much strength that this kept him grounded and kept him praying kept him going to God saying, you know what? You've shown me a lot and I recognize today it's not because I'm awesome. You are and I need you today. Sometimes the lesson is, is that humility we were talking about. So we'll always have weakness in ourselves. Don't get me wrong. We'll always come to, to situations, circumstances that we need to, to rely on God more and run to him and, and get that strength from him. But, but he will begin to heal a lot of the damage that has been done in your life and make you whole. As I started saying earlier, a lot of folks in church, they, they come so far in, in what they have as, uh, in their mind as being a Christian. But when you get close to God, there's healing that takes place. There's a lot of people that, that are very convincing that they are, are, are a representative of Christ and, and I pray maybe they are and they just need to keep on going because God's going to heal them. But a lot of the, well, a lot of the mistrust, a lot of the fear, a lot of the anger, a lot of the things that, can I say traditionally have made Christians seem obnoxious to their neighbor is because they need healing. They need healing. They have settled for a form of godliness, kind of like the Pharisees. They've gotten so far in maybe that what that looks like dedication, but a real walk with Jesus is going to put some things together in you that I'm not saying you're just going to trust everybody no matter what and smile all the time about how people are and you're just going to love people so much you don't know what to do with yourself. But you're going to be able to be healthy and and not just live in a way that is damaging other people around you that you're going to be able to finally be a part of the body of Christ and and not just be so full of fear and anger and suspicion God knows how to heal people amen it is easy to cloak yourself in self-righteousness and feel safe but God wants to heal you God wants to get down to the root of the things that that people have done to you and and uh, and start putting you back together in a way, in a way that you can be productive in helping other people know a God that can heal them. Amen. We don't all have the same strengths. We don't all have the same abilities. We don't all have the same gifts. And it's not fair to look at somebody else and kind of judge them according to, as you have being the standard. Again, 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the body and and it talks about same spirit, different gifts. And sometimes within each gift, there's different administrations of every gift. And there's a lot of latitude in that. 
lot of different ways people are used in, in gifts that God is working all in all to edify. And, and when, when God starts working in you, you'll find not only that happiness in you, but you're going to minister and, and be happy and, and bless other people and help them receive that wholeness, receive that healing. To be happy and is to be whole. Doesn't mean you're not fighting battles. But it's just a different different story now because of Jesus working in you. The things that would have been impossible for you, things that have have been so 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 crippling to 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 know that everything that you have dealt with internally under the surface that maybe nobody else sees, but God begins to heal you. Oh, Christians need to hear a message of healing. I know we're excited about stories of folks throwing their uh, crutches away and blind eyes receiving sight, but how there is a need in the church to to overcome fears and and, and anger and and damage that has happened so deeply, and God can can just work in such a beautiful way. Back in Solomon, we talked about Solomon and his prayer earlier. Solomon, when he did finally come to reign and began to uh, use that wisdom that he had asked for and all that that he said, I'm just a child. I don't know what I'm doing. But now he is uh, sharing the wisdom that he learned. He's telling other people about what how great God is and how great living for God is. If you read the book of Proverbs, that's just a small portion of of what Solomon's wisdom had been about. Also, Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon. And the, the Bible says his fame when abroad, people start hearing about how awesome God had blessed Solomon and and the queen of Sheba comes down and begins to inquire and says, I want to hear about this. I want to know about what God is doing here in Israel. And in uh, 2 Chronicles, the ninth chapter, one of the things that the queen of Sheba says when she gets around Solomon, verse 7, she says, happy are thy men and happy are these thy servants which stand continually before thee and hear thy wisdom. I want to tell you, when you get past the religious routines of uh, of what has been called Christianity and make Jesus the center of it, make walking with him and drawing closer to him and knowing him and, and, and letting him work on you, letting him transform you from the ground up. When you let God be God in your life and you let him have control and you you trust him and you say, God, you you love me and and you've got a plan for my life and you're going to you, you're good. You'll start seeing what sin has done to damage you. And you'll start hating sin and start loving holiness, loving God's nature, loving, loving his will. You're going to start. Allow you, you're going to start hating pride and, and start letting God just make a lesson today and teach you, take you to school. And when you start loving Jesus, you're going to find yourself becoming whole. You're going to find yourself being healed. You might say nobody understands. Nobody really understands what I've been through. Nobody really understands what I have faced and you're right. You're probably right. There's, I know there's no temptations taking you that's not common to man. I'm saying, but it's, but God knows. God knows and God cares. Yes. Right. 
It's not enough just to say nobody gets this. You don't know how hard this is. I know a God that cares about you and will make you whole if you'll let him. I know a God that can come into that place in your life and, and, and be so kind and so, so compassionate that what you always identified your life with as, as the pain, as the brokenness, that he can begin to put you back together in a way that, that you can be whole and that you can be happy and that you can shine a light through that into other people's lives. And be an agent of happiness. Be an agent of, of God's healing in other people's lives. Too many times we have settled in to identifying ourselves with our pain, with our wounds, with the hurt, that the damage that has taken place in us. And say, that's just who I am. That's what I am. And when you start getting close to it, I'm going to tell you what he's going to do. He's going to start putting you back together in a way you never, never imagined possible. Exceeding abundantly, the Bible says, above all that you can ask or think. He is going to make you free indeed. He has come to give life and that more abundantly. He will put together the broken life and make you whole. Can we bow our heads in prayer, please, as Sister Katie comes? Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. I knew when... When I felt like this was laid on my heart and prayer and that this would be a little different this morning, maybe, than what some expected. But listen to me. Make up your mind. God, I, I want to draw closer to you than, than ever before. I want to stop going through the routines and, and I want to know you. I want to walk with you. See, We're familiar with that scripture, the Bible. Jesus talked about in the last days, there would be some that would come before him and say, Lord, we cast out devils in your name. We we saw the sick healed in your name. We did mighty works in your name. And Jesus says, "I, I don't know you. I don't know you. You're telling me an omniscient God who knows the end before the beginning has ever started? Does it know somebody? Oh, it's not talking about a, a knowledge of who they are. It's talking about a closeness. An intimacy. I never knew you. But when you get to know Him, when you focus on Him, Not what people think about you. Not what they're going to say about you. But Him. Loving Him. I'm going to tell you, He's going to take care of some things in your life in such a great way. The message of the New Testament has always been lifting up Jesus. He said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. If you exalt Him, can I tell you, if you lift Him up and look to Him, you're going to want more of Him. the the apostles of the New Testament and they were drawn to him because he was being honored and glorified and preached about he would they would say repent that means turn away from everything that's been causing you damage and turn turn away from that and turn to him turn to Jesus
before the first person ever got baptized, before the first person ever was filled with the Spirit of God, there was a a repentance. An old life that was turned away from and a new life in Jesus that was turned toward. A life now that as we look to Him, as we follow Him, He's going to mold us and He's going to shape us. And He's going to take away the old things that are going to pass away. And He said all things are going to become new. That's your desire today to be to know Him. Not just a religious observance, not just a routine, but a, a friendship, a, a relationship with Jesus. Not based on me and what I like and what I want, but based on who He is. Not another Jesus, but Him. Why don't you talk to Him right now? Let's, let's take some time and pray. If you want to come to this altar, talk to the Lord. Let's... Let's spend some time with him. Lord, you're so good. God, I'm asking you to bring healing. To bring wholeness. Oh, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.
let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Help us, Lord, today. Lord, God, to draw near to you. God's going to help you every step of the way. Jesus told them in, before he ascended into heaven in the Matthew 28, he said, to, teaching all men, teaching all nations, word teaching means to make disciples, that we would be his disciples, that he, we would learn and that we would be affected by him and his teaching. If you remember when the apostles were preaching and just working in the community, those that saw them said, we, we know that they haven't gone to school and learned this. They're just unlearned and ignorant men, but they took notice that they had been with Jesus. Their lives had been so affected. They said they'd been spending time with Jesus. I want my life, I want my testimony to be that they can see. They can see His nature. They can see His character working. A, must be someone who's close to Jesus. Oh, help us, Lord. God's going to help you every step of the way. You just let Him. Let Him guide you. Let Him be Lord. Let Him mold you on the potter's wheel. Oh, and He'll be faithful. He'll be faithful to do just that. He's going to put you together and heal you and make you whole. Oh, that's just what He does. That's just what He does. Let's all stand. Father, thank You for Your presence here today. Thank You for Your mercy. In your kindness, Lord, we, we're so thankful for your love to us. We're so thankful for how good you have been to us. Help us, I pray, to just yield ourselves, to surrender and submit ourselves to you, Lord, that you can do your work in us. Guide us today, Lord. Shine your light in us and through us, God, I pray. And Lord, I pray you keep us safe as we travel. Keep us, Lord God, close to you. We love you so much, God. Bless your people now, God, I pray. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. So good to see you, church.